This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today, with a gigantic boulder on his face. It's so unsightly. Yeah, no, no. Just keep that position where you're just subtly masking it. Uh, no. Is Hans. I, uh, Who's this? Hold I on. Have... Is this like a little mini co-host you've, you've brought yeah. along for the show? A third it's mic? A me- it's a meatball. It's <laughs> uh, for uh, in honor of the queen. That doesn't make it. No, that makes sense. I was... I uh I was uh darkening my other monitor with with uh, the dark team of of my uh browser but whenever I changed that is yeah there it is ah. <laughs> this, oh there it is again so ah fuck it whatever it's a beauty mark it's a late life mole yeah it's cancer <laughs> knowing you it probably would be cancer <laughs> yeah uh hey but back, back, to, back with us tonight. You know, we're we're discussing a controversial topic on the program tonight. We're talking about Jordan Peele. Now, Jordan Peele. If you say anything about Jordan Peele online, people will go, "What?" But he's like a perfect artist. He's one of the great directors. <laughs> there could only be one thing motivating this criticism of Jordan Peele, and it has to be race. So, who knows a thing or two about race? I'm jogging my memory, I think. Detective Wolfman does. Detective Wolfman, how are you doing tonight? I mean, I'm I'm doing fantastic after that introduction. <laughs> good, good. Uh, our episode we did uh, on The Keep where we got into Jordan Peele uh, caused, mm. caused a little bit of uh, conversation to be happening over on Facebook.com. So, oh, boy. Yeah, a clip of the show, uh, which performed pretty well as far as, like, general watch time i think i made a whole 16 dollars on that clip uh just from the ads uh it has uh it, it briefly stirred up a little bit of a a controversy on uh some facebook groups because it got shared around and uh i think the the actual post of it had like 45 dissenting comments you know there were far more in, you know far more engagement on that post than there probably even was on the youtube video uh and it was just us <laughs> citing that he's maybe not that original or his um, pathologies as a director and creative artist are becoming uh, predictable at this point. It's it's weird that it ended up in some, you know, lefty or left-leaning groups that someone showed it on. I, mean, I don't I, think it's that weird. Uh, there's, there's like a significant <laughs> overlap of people who listen to this show that are big into the horror community. And if you take a look at anything horror-related right now, it has a certain Portland crunchy flair to it where, you know, we would criticize the whole Fangoria Legion back in 2020 or so, um, you know, especially around the time where they were trying to get Joe Bob uh, Briggs canceled That's and his show taken off and he had to kind of neutralize everything. He had a lot of criticism. What did he do again? Uh, he was writing for Taki Mag. What's that? That was a, uh, like a, there was like a Greek, um, like hard right, wealthy dude who ran his own publication. I know Gavin McInnes and Jim Goad used to write for it. Joe Bob also had written for that publication. And they found that. They found some articles. And he was also, if you take a look at uh, Last Drive-In Seasons 1 and 2, he's criticizing a lot of the uh, left-wing compulsions to shut down, cancel certain forms of art, media, people with dissenting ideas. It would be like a staple for every show where he would complain about feminists or, or whatever it might be. 
And then um, they tried to paint him as anti-trans and a bunch of other things, and he had to tone it down. Now you watch that show, and his complaints are a little more 50-50. And it's very positive. Yeah, it's, it's not as, um, I don't know, he doesn't have that vigor in the same way when he's complaining about these things. And I can only imagine why. Mm. Chatter. Chara gave him a little talking to. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, if you if you check out like the last episode of both of those um, earlier seasons, no, maybe not season one. I think it was season two and season three. Uh, he gives like a little a farewell speech, essentially, at the end of the season, like he's not coming back. Mm. Uh, so I think they gave him a talking to and said, hey, if you don't quit that, we're pulling the program. We don't want that kind of heat. Um, and if you take a look at their catalog, it's a lot of 101 scariest horror movie <laughs> moments. But then it's like, get out. Number 11, the, the, the getting out in Get Out. Right. Um, what was he doing in between his old show and this show? Did he have like a... Gaining weight, drinking. <laughs> like a... He was bloated yeah. when he returned. Um, so you didn't have a show or anything. You had like a like a traveling Joe Bob show or something like that. No, he was writing for these publications. He I, he he was writing for Taki Mag and a couple of other uh, spots and just kind of keeping a low profile. But uh, if you check out anything, so Joe Bob's real name is not Joe Bob. I don't know if you know that. It's John Bloom. It's John Ir John Irving. John John Bloom, and uh, he's like a novelist and a true crime guy and he wrote um some lengthy book that's now being adapted into an hbo miniseries so that's that i didn't know that yeah he uh he co-wrote it i think with another guy in the 80s and they picked up the property and they're they're adapting it this year he also wrote some book about the history of like a telecommunications company i don't, I don't know anything about that but uh hmm. yeah that's what he's been been doing in his love and death time. Yeah, that's the that's the miniseries. Ah, Elizabeth Olsen, Jesse Plemons. That's that's a pretty A list. Well, B, uh, C, <laughs> C list uh, actors for for his thing. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So I never I've never watched that show. I don't know. I, I know the internet loves it, but uh, it it reminds me of even though I don't know, I've never seen it. Uh, do you remember when they would uh, play movies on, I think it was USA, um, and it would be just three or four friends hanging out, making dinner, making popcorn, and in commercials, they would have like a little bit of banter for like 30 seconds and then go to commercials and then they would go back and then they, they would do that to divide the segments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is, is that what that's like? Yeah. That show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Do you remember uh, Dinner in a Movie on TBS? You should look up the advert to this. It's so dorky. It was like a, a, a like a schlubby white guy with glasses, and then some like very boring uh, '90s uh, woman, and they would make popcorn and a dinner and play some very generic uh, early '90s flick. Usually, I remember uh, when I was a kid on TNT. I can't remember if it was Friday nights or Saturday nights, but they would do this thing called Monster Vision, mm -hmm. and they would show monster mm -hmm. movies. And on the like on the latter end of it, before it got canceled, uh, Joe Bob for a few years he became like the host of it. Yeah, uh, and that's how I became aware of him. Uh, and yeah, he was he was great on that. I mean, it was on TNT. He couldn't really do or say anything racy, but you know he was funny. And they had him in a, you know, they had him in like a room 
kind of like uh kind of like how they did with chris hardwick and like talking dead you know mm-hmm. like he's got like his, his whole his whole setup and everything and they cut to him or sort of like the old uh yeah the old the old tv shows like with elvira or like some vincent right. price right, type right. guy who would like host a host a block but uh but yeah and i've, I've read some of his stuff on tacky mag uh steve sailor he uh he came out of there too oh, okay uh, there's a few a few of the a few of the notorious uh right-wing folks uh came out of tacky mag yeah i i remember when it came to monster vision uh i think penn and teller hosted that originally and then they couldn't find oh, wow. a host for a minute and then they were like well he just did this on it was either showtime or the movie channel or one of those premium cable services that existed in the late 80s uh, he was doing essentially mm-hmm. the same thing uh, during that time. They just brought him in, and I think he helmed it for like three or four years until it was off the air. There's still VHS strips of that Monster Vision period on TNT uh, that yeah. that are up there. And he had like pretty, as far as like horror movies go, you know, if you if you tune into The Last Drive-In now, you're not getting Friday the 13th. You're not getting... Halloween, you're not getting any of the. Well, actually, I think they might have done Halloween, but you're on, on the whole, you're getting pretty obscure horror films. You're getting like mm. The Stepfather, you know? Yeah. Which was not a bad horror movie, by the way. I just watched that in the sequel on Tubi kind of recently, and I enjoyed both. But you, you, that's kind of a tier of horror movie you're getting. But uh, Monster Vision, you're getting the entire Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, all these big Salem's Lot. The entire TV yeah. movie of Salem's Lot. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's depressing uh, to see someone uh, essentially get neutered to protect their own brand or property. But um, considering he was put on the bench for like 20 years, you don't want to mm-hmm. fuck that up. You know, if you got to. Well, well, and like, it seems like he was brought down by his fan base. He was. Yeah. What a bunch of like. What a bunch of facts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, do you, I guess you don't miss me enough to look past my transphobic comments. I guess he, I'm sure he wouldn't say anything like that bad, but you know. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, like, I would never, you know, there are plenty of, you know, uh, artists or performers whose stuff I dig. They have personal and political views that I oh, yeah. think are evil, but I would never. Yeah, I would never be like, oh, they shouldn't be allowed to work again. Well, the good ones do, right? Yeah. <laughs> All the good ones are a little messed up. And and that's the thing. Uh, it makes a, a more interesting artist than someone that's sanitized or has to think before they speak or do. Because that just yeah. makes, you know, sanitized. Yeah, imagine content. if someone said to Woody Allen, are you sure you want to make a seventh <laughs> movie about a grown man dating a teenager? Mm-hmm. No, you missed that opportunity <laughs> to watch art. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I found a, what is it, 56-minute video. Yeah, let's just watch the whole called, thing. No, let's let's did, watch it. Dinner and a movie? It's a dinner and a movie with commercials ah. and, uh, from 2003. And these commercials are great. 2003? Damn, Martin I Sheen, remember that commercial. Martin Sheen was old as fuck 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's going to be... Oh, no. Oh, ahead of Wait. its time. Music. There's this... I think it's a eight, uh, T-Mobile. Oh, Catherine Zeta. Va-va-voom. <laughs> uh, what do you phone. think about her as uh, Morticia Adams in that new Adams Family, Wolfman? Oh, um, 
I don't know that I knew that. I, that, I, I support that casting. She's still a babe. Yeah, she held up pretty well. I mean, what is she, like 60 now? But she, she looks more or less the same. She's dating, yeah. uh, they got Louis Guzman for Gomez Adams in that movie. That's a believable okay, couple. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, saw, I saw that. Uh, I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah, who cares? Really? Yeah, I, I really could not give a shit. I mean, he's no he's no Raul Julia. If they wanted to go that route, they'd have to get Javier Bardem or something. Yeah. Coming to America? That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Classic. Uh, did you guys ever see uh, the sequel, Coming to America? Absolutely not. <laughs> I started it. I think I made it like 10 minutes in and... It's like this is just, just not worth the two hours. Um, would they play censored versions of movies? Yeah, this was all basic cable yeah. essentially. So it you was would TBS. get, it would, yeah, yeah, it would be watered down. All right, we got the idea. I don't think yeah. there's anything interesting that's going to happen here from having that play. Looks like Simon Cowell. Yeah. <laughs> Have you Before. seen him recently? By the way, yeah. no. Hans, time to pull up a photo of Simon Cowell. He's yeah. a horror show. Uh, this is a guy who's clearly very insecure about having a, a very slightly chubby face. And uh, that's what He's happened. He's now. He's all Simon oh. Cower. <laughs> that's uh, pretty hideous. Jesus Christ. He looks like he got burnt. And he looks like he got, he looks like he got hair plugs on his face. <laughs> <laughs> He's just got like, his eyes are just, yeah. They, they just turn, remember Helen Hunt? Yeah. They just, yeah, uh, that was sad. They just got. You want to show Wolfman what Helen Hunt looks like now? Just get old, man. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it's just. Same person. Aww. That's a Trans... shame. Just, just get old. <laughs> Transracial. Well, they do. That's the problem. They get old, but they don't allow themselves to look. Well, uh, I just don't understand how this is better than having a couple of wrinkles, you know? It's like Dane Cook. Have you seen Dane Cook? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know of... if I've seen Dane Cook recently. I've only seen him in like those party photos where he found his 18-year-old wife or whatever. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. he looks like he's trying to look not that bad dating someone younger. and uh... He used to go to the... I worked at a dermatology clinic for a number of years, and he was uh, a, a patient there. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Damn, his face looks like a steak. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> it looks like. Remember in the mask when the bad guy put the mask on? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, he looks like Peter Green in mask. I just found some channel where uh, there's like a Hispanic woman in New York City who just goes around with Peter Green now, and and talks to people and interviews him and stuff. Uh, and it's so forced and uncomfortable. He looks exactly like that, but his face is just a little more <laughs> deteriorated. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, for like a for a guy who had a really like a serious drug problem for a long time, Peter Green held up. Yeah, he has just stayed the same in all that yeah. time, probably because he was uh, addicted to drugs when he got famous. He's great yeah. in some. The, the, the name of the movie is escaping me at the moment, but he plays a schizophrenic person. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever seen this, either of you? No, I know the movie you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it. I wanted to get him for Mass State Lottery, but I couldn't find his information anywhere. But he'll do, he'll do like very small projects. He's not yeah. in demand like he was back in 1994. Mm -hmm. uh, but he is a very talented actor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always thought he was really like kind of underutilized. 
Absolutely. I remember uh, I remember watching uh, the season one of Black Donnelly's, and when he showed up, I got really excited. Oh, wow. That's a show I haven't thought about since MySpace. I remember that had, like, yeah. a big MySpace campaign, and I, I knew, like, a lot of goth fat girls who watched the Black Donnelly's <laughs> on NBC. I didn't, I didn't watch it while it was on. I didn't get into it until, like, years after it had been canceled. Mm. Uh, I just kind of watched it on a whim, but I enjoyed it. It was Like, watching it, it was a bummer that it got canned. Yeah, he looks basically the exact same as 30 yeah. years ago. He, he looks a little, in that picture, he looks a little like a hairless cat. But, <laughs> it's a but, yeah, but I mean, that's what happens when you get when you get gaunt with age instead of fat, you know. That's right. Every, everybody, everybody has their cross to bear. You know, he could have been in, this is my transition point, he could have been in Nope as the director. How about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, as as antlers yes is that that's the name of the character right his name was antlers mm-hmm. that was his first name <laughs> not like mike antlers it was antler it was like antlers. holst yeah antlers holst that's terrible that's a good good Which, roll you know, off the that is name. like that that coming from jordan peele that's the equivalent of me making a black character named like Jamal Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was very safe with that name. Uh, I thought, so the first time I watched this, I fell asleep within like half an hour. And in my notes, I had Dave Franco is really annoying. And then on my second watching, I was like, wait, that's not Dave Franco. <laughs> He's just a guy that kind of looks and acts. Who like did Dave you Franco. think was Dave Franco? The, the, ca- the, the camera guy. Okay. The, the guy, guy, yeah. The guy yeah. who's probably a descendant of Franco. Mm. Yeah, uh, no, they got a... So the guy who plays Antlers is uh, the mm-hmm. bad guy from The Crow. Yeah, Michael Wincott. Yeah, he's got a terrific voice. Um, oh, he's great. And and uh, I also recognized him from... So there was a proof-of-concept short film for the movie The Iceman that starred Michael mm-hmm. Shannon, and he played... I love that movie. ...Mr. Softy in that proof-of-concept, which is on uh, YouTube. I think we might have played it during, like, a Civic TV episode, Hans. Whoa. Um, and uh, he was very good at, in, in that. And then they recast him with Chris Evans. Big mistake. Oh. Yeah. So. Uh, what do you think yeah. uh, Chris Evans' career is going to be after? Uh, Captain America. I think he's going right back to uh, the company that fed him, took care of him, sheltered him. Because otherwise he'll be on a season of Dancing with the Stars within six years. Yeah. What was his career before Marvel? Uh, not another teen movie. Mm-hmm. Right. He was yeah. great. Best role, probably. Yeah. That's I'm my sure, favorite, th- favorite thing I've ever seen him in. I'm sure that movie's still funny, just because of how separated we are from that type of humor. You know, mm-hmm. it's like uh, when uh, Loris told me that they were going to do a Ricky Fell for a, a fake Eastbound and Down trailer. I did. I got so excited. I shared it to our <laughs> Facebook group chat. I was like, can you believe it? I know it doesn't make any sense because uh, Righteous Gemstones is still going. But yeah. they said this. I didn't even see the advert. I just saw the tweet. They took down the advert by that time. It got copyright struck. Yeah. I would just would love to see what something like that would sound like now. Uh, because the only thing that's kind of similar is what always sunny maybe i, I mean i don't know if they've toned it down what too, no but... they got a, an all-female writer's room back in like 2011 or 12 oh. uh whenever they did mac is gay and gonna put on a one-man show that episode uh, oh my god that explains it it was yeah. 
I haven't checked it out. I have no intentions of checking it out. As far as I'm concerned, it's only Sunny in Philadelphia. It was like a four or five season show, and that's it. Everything else is non-canon. Like you have to look at it like you look at The Simpsons, uh, right. where it's like, okay, this is this this is good. This is not good enough to consider or or whatever part of this canon, and then everything else is just kind of fan fiction. Well, that not another tin movie was one of the first parodies after scary movie of that type, right? Before they ruined it with epic movie and the Spartans and all of those. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not, not not another teen movie. I think that was their last like legitimate attempt to like actually make a, a funny movie. Yeah. Uh but yeah, after that, yeah, it was it was just straight shit. It was like movie what was that thing? It was called like movie ninety three or something. Movie forty three. Uh, and they brought in a bunch yeah, of directors yeah. and actors and I think the Farrelly brothers might have directed one of those. Horrible. Mm. Fry yeah. Friedberg and Seltzer were the the two responsible for a bunch of those uh disaster movie date movie epic movie meet the spartans oh they also wrote scary movie one two three four well those, and, those uh, scary movie movies had a number of writers on them because they had just uh comedians or comedy writers punching up jokes constantly so they're not like the right. the, the idea men of that whole series they they were just brought in to tune up some things God. I forgot about Disaster Movie, Vampires Suck, Starving Games. Remember that one? Mm -hmm. God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they made a, a good chunk of money with those movies. Why do right? I give a shit about money they're making? <laughs> I'm just being good for them. Good for them that they, that they decayed yeah. the culture a little bit in the aughts. I mean, they killed that genre completely. So, yeah, I guess... Uh, until uh, Jordan Peele and and uh, Keenan Ivory, <laughs> yeah, Jordan Peele, Keenan Ivory, yeah. <laughs> uh, that that sixty-five-year-old man and Jordan Peele are an iconic comedy duo. Everybody knows no, that. I feel like uh, I feel like Edgar Wright kind of is like mm. the the thinking man's version of that with like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz mm. and, uh, uh, and World's mm. End. It's kind of like a uh, like a well-meaning spoof, you know. Yeah, you can tell they they yeah. and similar to the uh, what we do in the shadows, like that kind of thing. And then he became just a serious filmmaker, I guess. Now making well, yeah, yeah. What the hell is he doing? He did he did Baby Driver. What did he do anything? Has he done anything since? He then? put out a movie last year called uh, what was last it night One Night in, in Paris? Last night in Soho. Oh, last night in Soho. <laughs> one night in Paris. One night in Paris. Paris a... sexy. Oh, <laughs> that one's from like '94. Yeah. That's a different type of film. Um, not, not a lot of editing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last night in Soho. I watched a uh, bootleg of that. And I did not really like it. Yeah, no, it was. It was. Fine. He's like so. He. I. I think he's one of these guys who. You know, you you start to identify what his editing style is and what his stu shooting style is. And as you get older, you start to look at that as maybe immature just because you happen to be doing it in your younger years. And I think with Baby Driver, and especially last night in Soho, he's trying to get away from that because he thinks he's greater than that as opposed to, um, you know, just uh, embracing that even further and trying to adapt it for more large or, yeah, large-scale serious projects. Yeah. Oh, that's one one thing. 
one thing that I that I will say that I respect about Stephen King is that uh, in his on writing book, he was talking about the books that he writes. And he was like, I know that I'm not going to write the great American novel. Like I write, basically I write fast food for people. And it took me a long time to accept that, but I accept it and I'm fine with it. I appreciate that much more than an artist who is really great at what they do, but then they decide they want to reinvent themselves as this, as this great artistic voice. Mm -hmm. You see it with like every comedian for like the last 20 years they make they make these like great funny movies everyone loves them and then they do a serious movie and everyone talks about it and then they just start chasing awards for the rest of their career when they could be making because co comedy has a short shelf life and they're wasting like their prime comedy years to make these like shitty dramas that no one's going to care about you know at, at, in the next decade which i really thought that uh Zachary fanaki was what was going to do that but then he just stopped well, he got skinny. So he he and Hannibal Burr suffer from the same thing, which is uh, they get skinny, gain more confidence, and they want to be the sexy comedian since they've been a fat, <laughs> retarded guy their entire oh, no. careers. Uh, look up Hannibal Burr's now and tell me that is a man you'd be ever interested in hearing uh, make jokes. Not that he looks good or anything, but you can tell he cares so much about his appearance to a degree where it's off-putting. That's not him now, first of all. Uh, okay, no, I see. There I you see go, like though. That little, yeah, like that glamour How about shot. the uh, the top one right there in the middle? Oh, or actually, yeah, why don't, why don't you... Uh, damn. Uh, go with the one where he's in the orange shades, orange backdrop. Yeah, there's one example. Mm. And then go to Hannibal Burr's, like, 2008. And you will see a, a big difference here. So, what... <laughs> He's, he, lo he looks like he's trying to look like Wesley Snipes now. <laughs> yeah. Like, not when Wesley Snipes was cool, but what Wesley Snipes looks like right now. So, yeah, he. I mean, he's known for looking like a chubby kind of uh, autistic dork. Yeah. And now he's sexy. Now Hannibal Burris is a guy you want to get fucked by. <laughs> right? So, no thanks. No, thank you. Uh, what about Hannibal? Would you let him? It's kind of similar to Dave Chappelle. Like he disappeared, and then when he came back, he had like sixty pounds of muscle on him. Mm -hmm. He came he back. Got real ripped, jacked. Yeah. Uh, the thing but I he still has, he still has like a tiny head. Yeah. The thing I don't like about Dave Chappelle now is he bought what everybody was saying about him, so he mm -hmm. suffers from the same exact thing of well, I'm I'm a comedian, but I'm also very important now. And oh, yeah. you should be, you should feel lucky to hear whatever I have to say. My Netflix deal, I signed a, a six contract deal, six special deal with Netflix. Uh, and ha four of those are actually just going to be 20 minute sets of me talking about some news item. And I'm going to get $40 million for that. And you're going to love it. Like that's just his expectation for life now. Cause he had a good sketch comedy show that ran for like nine episodes or something fucking 25 mm -hmm. years ago. Give me a break. Let me count. Yeah. So uh, Jordan Peele, Dave Chappelle, uh, and Chappelle's show. What other thing are we going to get hate for being racist or hating on in this episode? No, it's okay to criticize Dave Chappelle because you'll just be looked at oh, as right. supporting yeah, the trans ally. community. Right, you're being well, an that's ally. The, yeah. That's the thing, too, is like I think it's real rich that he's like, 
he now he has a problem with this beast that he's been feeding for fucking 30 years. Yeah, I mean, it, it, but th this is the trajectory of, I want to say, like a good fourth of any of these people who go in one direction and then uh, are surprised when it turns on them at a certain mm -hmm. point. Uh, do you think that's going to happen to Jordan Peele eventually? Since he, he, I mean, where he started anyway was criticizing white liberals. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously he mm -hmm. has kind of fallen off of that since because that's his bread and butter is white liberals who love to be criticized and, and be told, you know, you're, you're this or that, or you're misbehaving. Cause that's not the person who's listening and receiving that criticism. That's everyone else around them. Not that person though. Um, mm. Do you think that will, those chickens will ever come home to roost? It really just depends on how, how much longer this goes and how, and it depends on what his what his line is, mm. because, mm. you know, everybody has a line, you know, and even, even people in Hollywood who are willing to kind of like, you know, kind of sell themselves and, you know, uh, kind of uh, brush off any sense of integrity to get ahead sooner or later, even like the most like opportunistic, soulless cog, even they have a line. They're like, ooh nope this I'm, I'm not going to say, or I'm not going to do like, this is my line. Whenever he hits his line. Yeah. That's when it'll come around. Yeah. I feel like if, uh, like you said, if, if you feed that beast, uh, there's going to come a point where that line is going to be moving way too far for one towards one side. And then as soon as he says something that doesn't tow that specific line, maybe not being aware of of the movement that that line has had that's where all of that stuff comes because Chappelle, who was the yeah. hero of everyone right and then as soon as that line moved where you can't make fun of this now uh that's where he got all this backlash because he hasn't really changed uh these jokes or what he jokes about that much no uh, the environment around him is what changed mm -hmm. uh so i can see how you know being uh someone that's always giving like a message or like a deeper meaning to things if that deeper meaning goes against that line i guess that's mm -hmm. when you know you'll start getting pushed back and well, uh taken down i guess from from where he's at now if he, the thing he has to watch out for, because we've seen this take down other black men, he's got to watch out for sexual abuse allegations mm. and he, he can't come after, he can't do anything offensive toward uh, the gay community or Jews. Like even, even if you're, even if you're black, those three can take you down. Who was the, Oh, Nick Cannon. Wasn't he? Oh yeah, Nick Cannon. They tried to ruin <laughs> Nick Cannon's life for a week, and then he immediately went on tour to apologize. Yeah. So uh, and yeah, and and Pe Peel Peel is not uh Peel's not overtly Christian, so he doesn't have that working against him in that system. Um. So Wolfman, in the time that we talked about Jordan Peel on uh, the Keep, did you watch any of his other films, uh, or is, are you just going in cold with uh, Nope? I went I went in cold with nope. I kind of wish I I wish I'd been able to get a hold of it earlier because uh now I would like to go back and at least watch Get Out. Uh Us never looked interesting to me, but we'll see. Um but yeah, I watched Nope and um I was surprised. 
Uh, what were you surprised by when you tuned into it? Uh, I mean, I was surprised. Uh, one, I mean, yeah, nothing about it seemed like, you know, too heavy handed. Uh, like, the, yeah, there was there was no. Uh, no, like overt messaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also, though, what was what was interesting to me was I appreciated and this isn't a Jordan Peele thing. This is just any kind of contemporary Hollywood director. I actually appreciated like how much time he took in the beginning of the movie to like really establish the characters, establish their relationships, the motivations, like slowly, slowly bring in the, the alien thing. Yeah. Uh, uh... But, but then once he brought in the alien, like once we know what we're dealing with, that's when the movie got boring to me. Yeah. 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 It kind of felt once they figure it out, uh, it was less threatening that before as soon as they were able to fool it i was like okay so it's not a threat anymore and then which is something that also happened to us that i have a big problem with that the last 15 minutes everyone just turns dumb for story convenience it's just so that you know the threat is still alive because as soon as he says don't look up as soon as you don't look up the thing is not going to eat you Mm -hmm. and then what do the characters do for the next five minutes look at the thing far away from it close to it that's all they do so without that yeah the th- i mean you can i guess you would have to be very creative to end the movie in, in, in a different way but i that really uh put me off the fact that they are not that dumb for for 95 percent of the movie and then the last 10 minutes it's like they forget everything they've learned from the thing uh i'm i'm assuming that it's you know pretending or or uh, story-wise, is like they're panicking because they're actually facing the thing or whatever, but they do that throughout the whole movie. So it makes no sense that once, you know, w- once you've had experience by dealing with this thing more times than, say, the first time, now you know how the thing is not going to affect you at all, and then you just don't do that because movie. Yeah, but that's you know? also so- extremely difficult. Like, if you're out in the middle of a field and you have a giant living creature that's floating above you, you're probably, even if you're not supposed to look at it, you're probably going to want to look at it. You're probably just going to instinctively look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll go in a staring contest. And then you'll take the $35,000 IMAX cameras and go to the highest hill and let it eat you because that's a thing that people would would just do. That's that's the effect of Hollywood on the uh, the adult man's brain is you want to just go into a... Uh, giant jellyfish's rectum and and be spat out as a pile of blood. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about that, low res, because as a, as a filmmaker, I, I wanted to know. Um, yeah, like, uh, are are you willing? Are you willing to die for the perfect shot, the impossible shot? <laughs> I not in this manner. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get swallowed up by any creature. I wouldn't want to be. What is it? Geppetto dies in Pinocchio or something. He gets swallowed by the whale and he's living inside the whale. Or is that just yeah. Pinocchio? He didn't die. Didn't well. He uh, they Pinocchio, yeah. spiritually died. They couldn't make him die in a children's. And I guess they could have. Bambi's mom died. I don't know. I'm just talking out of my ass right now. But no, I wouldn't do that. I would die. I would sacrifice or uh, uh, face the risk of sacrifice for a project that I might be shepherding. But I would not uh, commit suicide for that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't certainly do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you know you you're. Uh, we're obviously led to believe, you know, just from the, from the scenes, the moments that we have with Antlers Holst, mm. the great white hunter of shots, <laughs> um, that this man 
uh, has obviously uh, obviously feels as though he has uh, experienced everything that life has to offer. His his best work is behind him. You know, he's clearly this like very jaded. Uh, uh, he's just he's he's just he's just going on battery power at this point. Mm-hmm. He's got no real n- nothing motivating him. Uh, but even then, like yeah, the moment where he takes the camera and he's gonna run after and get the perfect shot. What good is giving your life for the perfect shot if you get your camera eaten? <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. drop uh, the camera. Also, you already know how to bring the thing out, right? So why don't you set up the shot safely yeah. and then? Well, and he didn't even get the perfect shot. All he got was like dust. Yeah. And his feet being sucked up. That's a nitpick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, actually... that's a very valid nitpick, though. That it came out of like nowhere, and it just felt like we have to get rid of this character somehow. But did yeah, he we add gotta, anything? Gotta kill the whole white guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he added anything. I think if you had just kept Mexican James Franco there. And maybe be him, which is what he did for the like he all of a sudden he was an expert on how to load film into this gigantic camera that the the director built himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just just have him do it. I don't I don't understand the inclusion of that character when he showed up and then a couple of scenes later he was dead and no, oh, it, no. It, from all right. So this does seem to be uh, Jordan Peele's least uh, concerned with social messaging film, although that there seems to be like a general weaning away from that. Um, William Kyle Girardi, who's a filmmaker we had on the show a couple of times, um, and to talk about the Resident Evil series, I don't understand, to this day, I don't understand why he does not like Welcome to Raccoon City, but that's all right. Um, we should get him on for the Netflix show. Would you ever want to go back for the Netflix show that's now canceled, Hans? Uh would I want to? No. Okay. Would I do it? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. You'd watch like would three you, Would you die for it? Would you die for the show? <laughs> it would be the perfect shot, the perfect episode, I think. No. Um, the impossible episode. <laughs> but Make this show sound interesting. Uh, so <laughs> Kyle had this, <laughs> this notion that Jordan Peele doesn't want to be the guy that he's been painted to be, although he yeah. certainly... Uh, leaning into it strategically where he'll put his name as an executive producer on shows like Hunters or, uh, you know, hosting the Twilight Zone. So, like, there's an impression that whatever that project is that's landing on a streaming service is his project, even if he has no creative input at all. Or he did, like, Mm -hmm. uh, he produced Black Klansman for Spike Lee. So he's got all of these very socially conscious projects where he's just netting a whole lot of revenue and um, helping those movies and TV shows perform better than they might have otherwise. Um, But I think with his actual films, there is not as much of a concern for that. I mean, with us, that's less of a, that's, that doesn't really have anything to do with race, uh, at least explicitly. That seems to be more about haves and have, have nots, um, which is a pretty beaten into the ground, um, just concept to be, dealing with and, and talking about in film. And then in this one, this doesn't really have anything to do with anything. It's just a big monster movie. And it, he has a lot of unfocused ideas that he's trying to mash together and uh, build a a story out of. Like the whole chimpanzee going crazy on the set of the sitcom backstory mm-hmm. that's uh, a significant part of the movie just to watch, just to have Steve Yoon float off into the sky. Like, he's <laughs> hardly in the movie. Um, yeah. 
it, it, you know, it seemed like he wanted to do a couple of different ideas for films and then was like, I don't know where I can put these. So I'm just going to mash them together and see what we got. Uh, and I don't mind it. I didn't mind this movie uh, at all. It was mm-hmm. entertaining enough. The only thing that I found grating about Nope uh, was the lead actress, which is Kiki Palmer, right? I yeah. found her so infantile and obnoxious throughout the film that it it really bothered me to see her absorb so much of the movie on her own, especially when you have um, Daniel Kaluuya's character, who's already kind of like stoic. He doesn't talk much, mm. uh, but then there's a you know you have the last portion of the movie where he's just kind of out of the picture, and it's all her. And I don't find her to be a particularly good actress. Um, I don't know. It just uh, I I wasn't into it. Yeah, I I thought Kaluuya was kind of whiny and unlikable. <laughs> throughout uh i I couldn't root for him Uh, but that character that you mentioned um when everything starts happening at the end and uh the monster becomes like a trash bag monster for because it gets hurt right um i kind of wanted her to die (laughs) if i'm honest because i was just like just kill her i don't care like the whole my brother and no, my sister and I'm watching you or whatever. It's just like, just please kill one of them. And then they, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I've just, she's the one that makes it at the end. And like, she has like this whole scene where she's like, yes, we got the shot or whatever. It's just like, I just kind of wanted her to die. And uh, the fact that he wasn't brave enough to do it kind of bothered me. Cause she was very grating. Like you said, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Wolfman, yeah. what did you think of the other characters in this film besides uh, um, Antler's Holes? So, uh, I'm I'm kind of I I somewhat agree with uh, how you guys felt about the Kiki Palmer character. I didn't find her too annoying, but while I was watching the movie, there was a moment where I was like, she's kind of like a female Chris Tucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's like the energy that she's bringing, and I've, I'd never seen her in anything. The only thing I'd ever seen her on was. Uh, she was on Conan a few years back when Norm Macdonald was on the same night. And that was that they had a very like funny interaction, but she seemed charming, you know, like as a person. Um, I think though, and I, I kind of understand why he would, you know, direct them this way or pair them this way, but her being uh, so energetic and like so much all the time. And with uh, Daniel, uh, was it Kaluuya? Yeah. Yeah, with him like giving almost nothing. Yeah, you know him being like so blank, so so just like dial like dialed in. Uh, I feel like that made her come off even more like spastic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I liked them uh, as the movie went on. I liked uh, I liked Kaluuya's character more, and like the first like 15, 20 minutes of the movie, I was like, is this guy just gonna be like? pissy the whole movie yeah just moping Uh, yeah yeah is he just gonna fucking mope um but i mean yeah they 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 were fine they didn't feel uh they did not their dynamic did not seem like they didn't feel like they were related to me they just kind of felt like two people who knew each other yeah i agree Uh, i don't know there was not a lot of there was and there were scenes that tried to inject this 
but yeah, I didn't feel like there was much warmth between them. And I get that they're like, they're different or they're kind of estranged, but even that they never really settle. There's never really a moment of like, Oh, like we, uh, we accept each other or you've proven yourself to me, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, their, their dad dies. I, I assume that she does that. She didn't come to the funeral. It's never mentioned. I don't know. There were little, little things like that that kind of got skipped over that I thought might've like added some like depth and flavor to those two. Well, the only time I think where they were saying anything that could have been, you know, or, or make them sound like they were closer than what they showed was the jean jacket moment. When she was like, when I was a little girl, I wanted mm -hmm. a jean jacket really bad. And my dad didn't give it to me because I'm a little girl or whatever. And then Diane Kaluuya was just like, yeah. <laughs> so he didn't really do anything with that story. By the way, what and, a waste of Keith David as the father yeah. in this film. Dude, dude, that's that's exactly how I felt. Like yeah. once once he looks over and he's like limp on the horse, mm -hmm. I was like, that's it? They yeah. got Keith and David out for that. It's the uh when they got in Godzilla, when they got uh what's his name? Brian Cran but hold on, Brian Cranston yeah. was in the entire first like thirty minutes of that movie, and it kind of led yeah. you to believe He's going to be the lead character of the film only to have the most bland uh, protagonist possible, Aaron Taylor oh, Johnson, yeah. who just... That fucking charisma vacuum. He, he's yeah. suddenly lost all of his personality between Kick-Ass and Godzilla. Maybe he got... It was because he got in shape, too. Just like Hannibal Burris and ruined him. <laughs> Made him so boring, so fucking dull. Uh, it ruined the Godzilla movie for me. And Elizabeth yeah. Olsen wasn't any better. And the yeah. uh, the sequel, I guess, was better. King of the Monsters. I don't know. Uh, Didn't see it. You're you're well, better for not seeing it. It uh, it took attention away from the monsters and the fighting because we were following this bland stereotype of a soldier. I remember very vividly one of the scenes where Godzilla's fighting a monster or whatever, or just hitting shit, and the camera goes from the monster to a close-up of the soldier running mm -hmm. you know it's just like what we want to see the destruction right well that, that was that was the big thing with that first movie is every single time the monsters started fighting they would pan away from it and then go to the live audience reaction or something else that was happening mm -hmm. people parachuting yeah. down into the city and then they tried to correct that with the second one but fucked up everything else about that movie um and then the godzilla vs kong yeah. which that had a it was brian tyree henry in that first get out oh no 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 that was lil rel howard as the security guard yeah. to get out yeah Go, uh, kong versus godzilla i mean it was a stupid movie um i watched it for free on hbo max so i don't have anything bad to say about it um i enjoyed note more than that mm. oh Honestly, my favorite, the most interesting character is Steven Yoon. Yeah. Like, he's the he's the most compelling guy. Uh, well, he, he has a backstory that you, you, that is kind of kept secret for the first half hour, 45 minutes, where we know something happened. We don't know mm -hmm. what happened. Uh, his show was canceled. And then they just, little by little, uh, uncover the, the horror of this monkey, <laughs> this little monkey that killed everyone. Uh, and how, you know, he gave him the, the fist bump and, and he ruined his career pretty much. Uh, well, go on. So, so that, that, that threw me because, so I'd never seen a Jordan Peele movie 
And so when it came up and it said Monkey's Paw Productions, and then it showed and then it opens with that scene of of the chimp covered in blood and just kind of stumbling around. I wasn't sure until later in the movie if that was like the logo <laughs> or if that was part of the movie. Right. Uh, but but yeah, like when when Steven Yeun when he gets when he gets sucked up into the jellyfish, like that's that's when the movie like falls apart. Uh, that's when it stopped being interesting to me. Well, it's 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 also very odd to give a backstory to a, a side character that you're going to kill more than what your main characters get. Because yeah. what do we know about them? He trains horses, and his mm. sister is kind of irresponsible, but she's charismatic, and, and that's it. And then the Jane jacket, and hey, wasn't that cool? Mm. Uh, and with Steven Yeun, we get everything that happened to him to get him to the point where he's now hating his life because he has to be a host of this shitty show that 30 people show up it regularly would be far more interesting if that was your protagonist and he had this mm. weird thing where he was still bringing out his co-star from when he was a kid with her fucked yeah. up uh, yeah. mangled face <laughs> eyeless face uh and was like trying to lure the ufo out of the sky and then that was the movie but instead we have like a very kind of I don't want to say that they're a boring pair of siblings because um, they're not really boring necessarily, but they just feel like you had something better going on over here. And even though that monkey was like pretty bad CGI, I, you know, I wasn't terrible. even mad about the monkeys. I mean, it wasn't realistic at all. It was horrible. Even if you look at like the older Planet of the Apes movies from like 10 years ago, um, that probably looks better than that. I, I had more of a complaint that his uh, denim jeans look so soft and like a PlayStation One game, like you were playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and it was Bam Margera, or Ryan Cabello, or somebody. Um, yeah, that was that was rough going, but I enjoyed the the entire sequence of the monkey flipping out and killing all the co-stars. Well, the thing too, like I felt I felt like it was kind of a double whammy with killing Steven Yoon and having his flashback not matter to the plot. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like it needed to be one or the other because when they showed the flashback, I was thinking like when you see the shoe standing up on its own, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, is this going to tie back into the alien? Mm -hmm. Like, is that is that the alien doing that? And now we're going to find out that like Steven Yoon has known about this for a long time, but then no, it's just, oh, fuck. I it's just completely that. unrelated. I forgot and about I guess, that shoe. I guess he just, he just thinks that because this one time this chimp didn't kill him when it killed a room full of white people that he can he can communicate uh with this alien but that shoe was standing right yeah, yeah. it's it's, st it's standing up inexplicably on its own and it's never addressed that i completely forgot about that because i was thinking the exact same thing i was like oh i guess the alien possessed the monkey or yeah. you know something there's some type of energy there because the shoe was standing up and then that was completely forgotten and mm -hmm. never mentioned again especially when the alien was a, a big plate with a bottle <laughs> that was just sucking things up so yeah that's 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 weird uh, what there. what did you guys think about the fact that uh the ufo in this movie is not a spacecraft but it's a giant sentient creature um it didn't feel like an alien i thought it was an alien i thought it was marketed like a like an alien movie like an extraterrestrial movie but it felt more more like it just like a monster which i guess could also be 
extraterrestrial, but we don't know anything about it. It could be, I don't know, something that was dormant under a volcano or something for years, and we didn't know. We never learned anything about it, but I, I didn't mind it. I liked the fact that it looked like a saucer. I didn't like what happened to it afterwards, where it, it just looked like paper its, or like its trash bags. shell, its callous yeah. skin. Where, yeah, yeah. It, it, turns into, it turns into an Ava from Neon Genesis. Oh, yeah, there are so many weeby, and I'm not even like an anime nerd, but I caught like the Akira bike slide. I caught yeah. the fact that, yeah, uh, Jordan Peele is a total weeb, total nerd, dork. Yeah. Fucking loser. Yeah. Little <laughs> bitch. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I didn't mind. I actually kind of like the idea of having this UFO not be a UFO and be some sort of, um, I don't know, just some creature that, exists in the clouds or whatever uh that we do not know anything about i thought that was pretty different um the execution of it could have been done could have been done better i wasn't thrilled with the design of the creature personally but i also didn't have too many gripes about it i liked the uh interior sequence when he sucks up the uh i'm just assuming it's gender it's a he when he sucks up the the crowd of people at the rodeo show yeah. And you see what that's like to be inside of it, being uh, digested, essentially. Uh, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, it's I, I, just to echo what you guys have said, I feel like the movie kind of ends right there. And everything else feels very secondary to what is good about the film. It, it felt slow. Like... That's what's weird is like in the first half when they're doing all the buildup and it's just like conversation and talking and like the, and the aliens not even a part of it that felt interesting. And then when the, and then in the second half, when they get to the actual action, like trying to catch the thing that felt so fucking boring to me, I'm like, get on with it. Like, let's yeah. go. Uh, yeah. The, it lost uh, its suspense completely after yeah. that, after we saw it and after we saw what it could do, uh, Everything he did to build that up, which was not show anything and just play with sound and their fear, I guess, was yeah. lost. Because especially when when the Daniel Kaluuya character figure it out, because then it's just like, oh, OK, so just don't look at it and you'll be fine. Uh, so that, yeah, took a lot away from from the tension that was, you know, for the first three quarters of the movie before the that scene with Steven Yuen happened. So it was a very disappointing ending, I think. And that that's that seems to be the the only complaint that I've seen people uh, talk about online, how the ending was kind of not... How, how is this movie doing on Rotten... I mean, not that Rotten Tomatoes matters, but obviously he's a critical darling. But if you had to... If you're one of these critics and you feel like you've got a gun pointed to your head and you can't say a bad word about Jordan Peele, but you're not really vibing with his movies... Uh, this would be the one to go after because, again, there, there's no, like, social message to it that is at least overt. Um, uh, and there are... I, 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 I disagree, but finish your point. Oh, okay. And, and there's uh, probably a number of things that you can pick at and say, well, this is kind of stupid. This doesn't play well. Uh, this maybe doesn't make sense. Um, so there are, I guess, obvious um, obvious things you can grasp and utilize uh, for your criticism within the movie. Now, Wolfman, I want to I hear your take here. 
All right. So uh, I do think uh, there is some serious social commentary uh, going on here. And it's actually very heavy handed, but you have to have the right kind of eyes to see it. And I made mention of it uh, the other day. But yeah, uh, this movie is very pro MAGA. Okay. All right. You, you will have to unpack this for us, Wolfman. Okay. First of all, the film opens with a Bible quote. So that should tell you something right there. Okay, that's one. All right, we got a quote from the Bible. You've got our our hero is a cowboy. All right, you don't get any more American than that. He comes from a long line of cowboys. So you've got this family. So you've got these heritage Americans, you know, multi, like at least like five generations who've been doing this. So they've got, they've got this longevity They've got this legacy, you know, they've got all this private property, this land that they worked so hard and put their blood, sweat and tears in. Well, they're on the verge of losing it. Things ain't what they used to be. You have this scene where uh, Daniel Kaluuya goes with the horse to film the commercial. And there's all these fucking Hollywood libs who don't respect <laughs> the legacy and the tradition of this cowboy and these this decades of horse training. And he's got, yeah, he's got his estranged sister. Uh, and, you know, she's kind of gone off into the city. She didn't want to be on the ranch, whatever. Uh, so they're kind of they're kind of dealing with their thing. Then, so you, ha you have our hero, you know, this American salt of the earth, red-blooded man. To keep the ranch, to keep his family's legacy going, he's having to sell horses to this fucking cultural appropriator. <laughs> <laughs> All right this rich ex child star, this foreigner with a white <laughs> wife and his mixed miscegenated children. You know, he, his, his, his costume is this man's culture and he's built this uh, monstrosity of a theme park where he's exploiting this rich legacy. He thinks he can just take it because he's got the money and he's got his little sob story you know about the chimpanzee that goes crazy and kills a room full of white people you don't have to be lenny riefenstahl to read into that <laughs> um and so yeah so then this guy he's uh he, he's uh he's he's trained and what what is the threat the threat is an alien it's a foreign entity and all it's doing is blindly eating this man's livelihood and his home and, and it's and it's and it's just spitting the trash and the filth out in the land and yeah it's about uh it's about this brother and sister this this it's about it's about them maintaining this american legacy and holding on to their birthright is this show going to cancel jordan <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i think someone needs to clip this entire segment and send it to donald trump jr to <laughs> post over on twitter uh it's a pretty convincing argument wolfman i'm gonna have to rewatch the movie now with that in mind yeah. I'm not gonna, but I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, take. If you, if, yeah, if you find yourself, if someone's watching it, if you have to sit through it again, yeah, look at it, look at it through that <laughs> lens. I can't wait to hear your take on uh, us and Get Out when we eventually get around to those. And all right, well then, months. yeah, I'll, I'll have to watch them. Yeah. Uh, well, no, this is like, uh, yeah, I love. Uh, uh, I yeah, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe my mind is warped maybe uh maybe i'm seeing things that aren't there but i don't know i feel i feel like there's too much going on for it to just be coincidence 
Well, Jordan Peele is a guy who deliberately plants things in his films for people to try to unpack. And I think mm -hmm. he's um, often dismissed by uh, people who are critical of him, like us, uh, as uh, maybe trying to be too pretentious or believing too much of his own hype that he's uh, this intellectual creative genius or whatever. But that isn't to say that he doesn't um, implement certain coded things or messaging into his films. I, you know, that, that was uh, the case with us, I would say for certain. And uh, I would have to go back and check out Get Out. So if there was things that were planted in this movie, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if um, he had some sort of uh, secret underlying theme that was baked into this very silly big alien monster movie can you believe it it's it's stupid who cares it's big monster movie right i think i think he kind of wants to sell it as that and you can see that with the title and i, I actually probably think yeah. uh it comes to the detriment of the movie that he doesn't take it serious enough at times mm. yeah that's that's honestly like that uh the the running the running joke of nope uh which I appreciated in in the film, like, like it was funny when it happened, but it being the title, like I felt like cheap into the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I'm like, that's like, I feel like that works for a trailer. It doesn't work for a film. I think it undercuts. So yeah, film that's yeah, yeah. The film that's pretending to be taken seriously too. Yeah. No, because it doesn't it doesn't play anything as a joke or it doesn't play anything as <clears throat> not serious, and then the title is not very serious. Uh, I like I like the way it was shot. Uh, I thought visually it was really nice, especially the night scenes that were apparently shot during the day, uh, which gave it that look, uh, that weird cloudy. Uh, I guess it was California, right? Uh, desert skies. Yeah. Uh, everything that was shot at night, I liked, uh, and I wish that the conclusion was also at night because maybe it would have added a little bit of more suspense than when it was daytime and you could see the thing, it wasn't as, you know, creepy or suspenseful or anything. But I thought uh, visually speaking was really strong, which is always, you know, something that all, all three of his movies have, or at least uh, it's they're nice to look at, I guess, even if uh, the story maybe always leaves a little bit to, to, uh, What's the expression? To be desired. <laughs> yes, thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> uh, it is kind of his Wolfman. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Signs by M. Night Shyamalan? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say this is like, uh, well, I, I was going to say this is like black signs, but the fact that the lead characters are black is kind of inconsequential mm -hmm. other than their relation to the, the guy in the the film, you know, the, the, the guy, the horse rider. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of echoing M. Night a little bit. I think his career certainly is where he's yeah. going. I mean, if you, if you, all right, let's disregard Hans. What's the movie we're going to cover at some point? Wide Awake with Rosie O'Donnell, his first, uh, his second movie. It's not his first Are movie. Are we disregarding that one? Why? Uh, I'm, ju I'm just saying for, for the sake here, most people consider M. Night's first movie to be The oh, Sixth right. Sense, even though he directed one that he also starred in and wrote. If you want to pull up like the poster to that real quick, I wonder if there's like a trailer or something. It's pretty buried though. Is that Wide Awake? Wide Awake is the second one with Rosie O'Donnell and a kid who looks a whole lot like Haley Joel Osment. That was his second film. That was his um, his oh. uh, uh, 
you know, walking through the the doorway at Miramax at the Weinstein Company, uh, improving himself as a director because he was uh, ghostwriting a bunch of scripts during that time, like uh, 10 Things I Hate About You." Oh, to pray, praying with anger. Yeah. Okay. Why don't, why don't we just watch the trailer to this movie uh, real quick? I've never seen this. I, you can just yeah. click that right there. Film day M Night Shyamalan. Uh, oh wait, that's the whole movie. One second. You can watch the whole movie on here. All right, it's we on YouTube. Right? Might have to cover this very soon. <laughs> uh, Wolfman, what's your general well, thought on M Night? You know, uh, for a while, you know, for a while, I kind of, uh, I kind of dogpiled them with a lot of people. Like back, you know, I, I remember seeing Six Sense in theaters, and it blew everybody's tits off. And I was a kid when it came out, so yeah, I was completely caught off guard by it. Um, but go, going back and rewatching some stuff, uh, I never saw Lady in the Water, but uh, like uh, Signs and The Village are when people kind of started to turn on him. But I mean, other than, yeah, those movies have some flaws, but I maintain that they're solid flicks. I actually like both of those movies. I, I think Signs is a terrific film. Um, the Village, yeah. I went back and I watched and I had probably a more favorable opinion of it uh having checked it out only a couple of months ago than when mm -hmm. i did see it in the theater when i was like 14 or 15 years old uh yeah i i think he's uh i think his earlier films are uh probably slept on now because mm -hmm. uh although less so he definitely had a period where he was the easy punching bag easy target because of movies yeah. like the happening and uh, avatar the last airbender and all that. And then there was the, uh, you know, the comeback era, which was uh, he did, was it the visit where the children go yeah. visit their grandparents and it turns out to not yeah. be their grandparents and they don't even know that. And uh, uh, not Glass. Uh, what was the split. split? Yeah. Those two movies kind of brought him back. And now uh, I don't know if he's looked at as favorable at the moment because I, I think Glass got middling reviews and then mm. old I thought it was a big old pile of shit. I thought that was yeah. him trying to do like a Twilight Zone episode in 90 minutes, and it didn't work. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't even know if I've heard of that one. That had um, Hans. Who is that uh, Latin actor who's in Mozart in the Jungle? and uh, Gael Garcia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in that, and um, one of the... Uh, Alex Wolf. Alex Wolf. There you go. Thank you. Um they're oh, both in that, and they decide to weed out all the famous actors before the like conclusion of the film. And you have these—I don't—I mean, I'm spoiling the movie a little bit, but you have these like older actors who are playing certain characters, and mm -hmm. you've never seen them before. They're just kind of like backstage.com uh, <laughs> extras that were paid to show up that day, and they're tasked with carrying out the end of the movie. And it's just a weird, poor decision. Um, huh. yeah, it was, it was very strange, but signs, I, I don't know. I, I, this movie is nothing at all like signs aside from the UFO aspect, but it, yeah. it, it, that kind of, um, third film being the UFO film trajectory and it dealing with, um, you know, I guess like what you could consider middle America, uh, gave me vibes of that. I think signs does it a whole lot better. Um, definitely, but, uh, I, yeah, I wasn't mad at this film. There's yeah, no, uh seems to yeah. seems to be no trailer for praying with anger, by the way. We can watch the whole thing, but there's trailer doesn't exist. The trailer doesn't exist. Can it I was before it? trailers exist. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's like 10 different versions on YouTube of the full movie, 142 minutes, but no trailer. Okay. All right. Well, g good to know when we eventually revisit the, uh, the Tao of M. Night. Cool. I think Wolfman, you were going to say yeah, something. Yeah, Wolfman. Interrupted. Sorry. Um, I don't, uh, I don't know if I remember. It probably wasn't very important. Oh no, I was I was gonna say like I liked I liked the first half of this movie enough that I want to go and watch his other movies. So I'd say that's pretty solid praise. Uh, one thing, and this is a total nitpick. Uh, uh, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I didn't see. Not only did no one carry one, but I didn't even I didn't see a gun mounted in the house, or in the corral, or anywhere, and. People who live in the middle of nowhere and train animals have guns. And yeah, I thought that I thought that was odd that there was no gun in the film. Didn't even have to be used, but just, you know. Well, you know, they're know. they're from the blue part of Texas, I think. They were they're uh they, No, it's California. You can't own guns. They voted for Beto. Right? Oh, right. California. No, it's yeah. supposed to be Texas. Isn't it? No, it's no. They no, said, they're in California. Uh, they're in Calif yeah, California. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, the but even then, aspect. I'm not. I'm not talking about. A, I'm not talking about. You know, like an Uzi or or a or a Gat. You know, I'm talking about just like a hunting rifle or a right. shotgun. Yeah, I think as a society we've moved past guns. Personally, I think Jordan <laughs> Peele shares that sentiment. Um, yeah, yeah I, there's no possums. There's no you know. Other animals that are going to come and Hans, do you have an animal running around your house right now, playing with like a milk coop or a ball? Because that's all I was hearing as Wolfman no. was oh, talking. Oh, that's me. That's you. That's me. Okay, yeah, I've, I've got my I've got my noise settings on to where you're not supposed to hear shit like that. But yeah, I'm I'm we're fostering this cat, and it's crazy for just like plastic bottle caps. Here, let me <laughs> let me get it away from it. Uh, uh, Shyamalan movie. I'm still praying with anger because it looks very interesting. Uh, it's a, it says an, an alienated Americanized teenager of East Indian heritage is sent back to India where he discovers not only his roots, but a lot about himself. And one of the reviews here says feminism didn't exist until M. Night told that girl that she didn't have to be a wife. She could be whatever she wanted, like a dancer. Uh, so oh, no, it sounds it's his... like it would be fun, <laughs> <laughs> really funny to watch. Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm sure it's 100 percent serious, but of you know, course. It's I think that was his student film, uh, his thesis film that he turned into like a full on feature and got a minor distribution for. I think he got a physical release from uh, Miramax or Dimension Films or somebody. Uh, that's great to know that it's going to be 90 minutes of M Night white knighting. Yeah, yeah, it it is. According to one of the reviews, it says uh, it's a film that I'd be much meaner to if it wasn't literally a student. Do you film. think there's a it moment where uh, you know some woman's husband is about to smack her, and then M Night grabs his hand just in the nick of time, says, "I don't think so." There's a light above him or behind him, mm -hmm. you know, when he does that. So he's more of a saint than just you know a guy that stops you right before you hit your wife. Mm -hmm. Big time Christian themes in all of his movies, um, mm -hmm. or at least all of his earlier films. I haven't checked out the uh, the later catalog just yet. There are some movies of his I, I've just never seen, and I planned After on Earth? never seeing, like Last Airbender or After Earth. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't see that one. Did you guys see uh, Devil? Uh, no, I have heard mixed 
to positive things about Devil. That was uh, what did he come up with the story for that? And he produced it, but he didn't direct it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's something like that. Uh, I mean, it's not. Uh, they they do a fine job for the concept. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's not great. It's not terrible. It stars. Uh, it stars not Tom Hardy in it. Oh, it's got uh, Logan Marshall Green. I think yeah. his name is. Yeah. Um. Who? Yeah, that's just like. What? What an unfortunate guy to get famous. You know, like a month after Tom Hardy, mm-hmm. and so he's he's never he's never his star is never going to rise quite so high. What is Tom the, Hardy even doing at this point? Is he just waiting for like the next Venom movie? I think so, man. I don't know. I don't know what the hell he's doing because yeah, that Peaky Blinders is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. He did that Capone movie that no one gave a shit about, and, his, and I think that was his, that. I think that's kind of been it. His performance in that was so peculiar for for an Al Capone because he's just like a monster in that movie. Yeah. Um, that was Josh. That was supposed to be Josh Trank's big return after he got fired from Fantastic Four from the post production bay. And uh, trashed Fox and and people who were mangling his film and trying to make it a little more family friendly, and then uh, he lucked out in that Tom Hardy wanted to do his movie, and uh, it unfortunately landed in the middle of 2020, I think, and went direct to streaming. So it lost its entire big press campaign, and got mm. dumped on Amazon. But that movie was okay. It was like a five out of ten. Uh, Tom Hardy being Al Capone in that movie is really what made it watchable um but yeah i don't know he's not really uh doesn't seem like he's interested in doing anything creatively uh creatively intriguing lately uh and even in the venom i mean he's fine in venom or whatever but he just kind of looks a little more bloated and washed up and bored with acting now yeah is he going to be in that new mad max thing no no, he's not in that. Uh, I don't even know if the Mad Max character is going to be in that. They didn't even get uh, Charlize Theron back. It's going to be the girl from, uh, what is it called? The uh, the chess show. The, the, uh, the... Anna Taylor. George... Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. Is Mad Max. <laughs> uh, was, she, because... was, she, was she in Fury Road? No. no. Um, she plays the younger version of the Charlize Theron character. Oh, wow. That's that's what I want. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, another just prequel for a character that's only interesting because of what they did in that movie and yeah it's not i do i, I do think it's kind of a bold move though for for such for a character that was kind of painted as such a feminist icon to now uh shit can charlie theron and do the younger prettier version <laughs> yeah uh they also got the uh the guy from everything now he's one of like the two black guys who gets recycled into all of these shit projects uh it's not the guy from Candyman. is hold on actually it might be the guy from Candyman. the guy from aquaman who's now bashing the aquaman movies that's the guy is he in there? i think he's the guy who's who's in that it's not jonathan majors who's cast on lovecraft country and uh, a couple of other programs and movies um it's, is it the guy who was in uh, the shitty, the god-awful Shane Black Predator movie? Uh, Keegan-Michael Key, Jordan Peele's partner. No, that no, is no, not the No, 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 the, the other guy. Uh, the darker-skinned black guy. Probably. I, I don't know. Uh, by the way, did you it's, have any uh, thoughts on Prey? Oh, I refuse to watch it. 
we were supposed to do a show on prey but i think that moment has passed i don't know if that's going to be interesting to anyone at this point to just hear us say a month later yeah that wasn't that good the director came out saying that the only reason why people are criticizing prey is because they misremember the original predator what do they what does he think they misremember let me find it wow but yeah i made it i made it what like half an hour and uh no, damn it's for the it's for the simple fact like if you if you want if you want to have a heroine in a predator movie and and have have a lady beat the predator fine there's plenty of like there's plenty of scenarios throughout history and throughout the world where you could do that hillary clinton uh, there were no uh like there were no female comanche warriors like the Comanches treated their women like barely better than property. Uh, and and if, if and if if some young gal in a Comanche tribe was like, "I'm gonna go hunt with the boys," they like they would have beaten her to death. But not this tribe. This tribe was very progressive. Yeah, very progressive. I found the quote. Okay, yeah. so it says um, there was a very strange reaction to. It's almost a Mandela effect thing of the way people misremember the original movie, but I never really wanted to correct that thinking because it helps the movie. This movie is more exciting the more you feel like, how is she going to pull this off? I'm happy for people to think that way, even if you think a little bit harder about Predator. The end of that movie is where she begins, you know? Like he ends up in a place where all the Comanches sort of have that, that knowledge base that Arnold has to resort to. But I was happy for people to forget that. I think people remember Predator as guys with big guns fight the thing. Well, yeah, see, that's it. Yeah, Predator, guys with big guns who fight the thing. So why, people who like that movie, why would they want to watch this one? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I didn't even have an issue with the story because it didn't even get going by the time I quit. Everything just looked very streaming movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, very cheap, uh, and and this is uh, my review that I, I left on Letterbox where I complain about how uh, this is like the cleanest Native American people I've ever seen in my life, and how their customs look like they were from like a Halloween store because they were pristine, the the leather was perfect, and and uh, the way they applied makeup was also perfect, which is obviously just them sitting in a chair for for a while, uh, and. Uh, I got a couple of uh, responses uh, saying that I'm racist for thinking that they're filthy. And uh, and oh, also because I said that their teeth were perfectly white, even though they're supposed to be in the 1700s, which I mean, sure, uh, refined sugar wasn't a thing, but I would expect for them to have, I don't know, a, a leaf of something in between their teeth or maybe, you know, it's something that's not a veneer looking teeth. Oh, so that was one of the things Americans that sat around eating leaves. Yes, and poop. <laughs> so so their, their mouth is supposed to be, yeah. But uh, that, that's what kind of put me off. Uh, along with the fact that um, there was obviously a, a, a very modern narrative going with the tribe, like Wolfen just said. Yeah. But it just looked very cheap. Like it just looked like like minimal effort for the costumes in this movie that where you're supposed to immerse yourself with the fact that it's the 1700s and nothing felt old. It just felt like, oh, we're going to shoot this in someone's backyard and, and uh, believe that it's the 1700s because we're telling you it is. And uh, I just couldn't. You know what I liked? That they showed you who the real savages are the French, 
Can you believe oh, that, it? Does that happen? Oh. Yeah, that happens. You yeah. missed out on that. There's some, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's some colonists who show up and they're raiding the land and trying to kill the predator, and they're all stupid. They have guns, but they're not as smart as those Native Americans with their bow and arrows and the dog that never gets injured at any point. That dog should have been stomped the fuck out in five minutes by that predator. Uh, I look, I always hated it as a child when, to see the animal die in the film, but I think, uh, the expectation now you long for it. Yes. Now I do because the expectation has been reversed. You used to assume the dog's going to get it. The animal's yeah. going to get it. Now they don't want to upset the audience in any real way. So this movie prey felt completely creatively bankrupt and safe in every single facet of its being. And I hated that. Yeah, I'm glad we're not doing that episode because I, I don't really care about it. it. it you know, it could have been more interesting if there was like a rival tribe or something. But no, they went with the French. And they're all like fat and their teeth are rotten and they're disgusting and they're rapey. And, you know, they're just inhuman people. And um, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Don't believe what people are telling you. That's the director of uh, Cloverfield another favorite two. of mine, uh, of mine, uh, the Invisible Man, right? Is that the same guy? No, this was Dan I'm... Trachtenberg, wasn't it? That was Lee yeah, Winnell so... who directed Invisible Man. Oh, Lee Winnell did the other Logan Marshall Green film, Upgrade, which I thought was pretty good. Oh yeah, I enjoyed Upgrade. Oh yeah, right. Lee Winnell was the guy from The Conjuring, right? Uh, no, uh, no, I don't think it was The Conjuring. He did Saw. He wrote Saw and also starred in it. Oh, Insidious. He's one of the... <laughs> he's one of the... Uh, you know the dorky ghost guys? The skinny one and then a giant one mm -hmm. that show up to the house? He's like the, the little one, I guess. That's what I remember. But yeah, he... Uh, He's much better than Dan Trachtenberg, so so I, I I I'll shut up. Well, Dan Trachtenberg, uh, he became famous because what he did like a Halo fan show. film. Wasn't he the host of Attack the Show or something? Like no, that that's Chris. No, 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 no. That's Kevin Pereira and Olivia oh. Munn. What is she right. up to now? You want to just Google oh, she, Olivia she, Munn? She's in the terrible. She's in the Shane Black Predator movie, which was the movie that made me like hate movies forever. Wow, that, that movie, The Predator, is really what spiderwebs into all of the subjects we're covering on the show tonight makes sense of the I, conversation. I mean, it really is. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't like to be hyperbolic and be like, this movie's offensive, it's so bad. But that movie, like, like I, yeah, I, I, yeah, there's no other word. I felt offended. I was like, going to check it out after Prey because I watched Prey and I was like, I guess I'm in a Predator mood today. Well, because it's it's written and directed by Shane Black, mm -hmm. who, like in my opinion, before that had not made a bad movie. Like he made some that were better than others, but n none that I would call bad. Uh, this movie's not only bad, like it's bad. It's bad in the way of like a, like if a college student wrote it. Mm -hmm. So my the the the, per, the prime example. And, and I was so shocked that Shane Black was responsible for it was in the first Predator movie. You have that scene where they're in the helicopter and the camera's kind of panning around showing you all the guys in the squad. And they're just having kind of like little snippets of conversation. 
you know, you don't know any of their names. You're just going by what they look like, what they're saying and how they interact with each other. And from that scene alone, you just, you get who these guys are. Like, you know who they are. Like, you know, like, you know who the serious one is. You know who the blowhard is. You know who the Joker is. Like, blah, blah, blah. You just pick up on it. And then there's a scene in Shane Black's The Predator where all the main characters are on this bus. They're like, they're like prisoners. They're being escorted. And the black guy is telling the main guy, Boyd Holbrook, he's like, oh, this is so-and-so. He blows shit up. This is so-and-so. He's the crazy one. This is so-and-so. He da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, oh, wow. Like, Thanks for it telling was us. shocking. Yeah, and that's just one example of how bad it is. Wasn't the plot about a kid that has autism and that gives him powers to co communicate with predators or something like that? Yeah, the movie presupposes that autism is the next stage in human evolution. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, the little autistic kid, uh, yeah, he's able to remote pilot the predator ship. Somehow he can communicate with it. Uh, most of the movie takes place during the day in the suburbs, which is terrible. Hmm. Um, Olivia Munn is a scientist, but she knows how to fight and shoot better than any of the <laughs> trained military men. Uh, is it better or worse than the Alien versus Predator movies? Worse, worse. Oof. I would watch. I would watch both Alien versus Predator movies before I would watch Shane Black's The Predator again. Wow. Okay, <clears throat> that's shocking. I really enjoy Shane yeah. Black. I don't think I've seen a movie of his that I have written or directed that I've disliked. No. Well, and this was hot off the nice guys, mm -hmm. like which is arguably, arguably his best film. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, the next movie he made is the worst, and I saw that like right on the heels. I think the movie I saw before that was Last Jedi, and so after that, I was just like, "Fuck this! I'm never paying to watch another movie in theaters again." That is rough going. That's a rough double feature then. Yeah. Oh my. Um and like just from the opening, like it opens with a shot where one predator they're in space and one predator ship is chasing another predator ship and it looks like something out of fucking attack of the clones. And this is the first shot of the movie and I was like, "Oh no. This is going <laughs> to like I knew I knew right then I was in for it." Damn. Uh we were trying to do a show on Attack of the Clones pretty recently and everybody just everybody who was supposed to do the show just found themselves really bored. And it's like, I, mm -hmm. I don't know if we can talk about how boring this is. This is Our. really painful. I got through the entire movie, so I'm set to go for that that show because we're doing a Star Wars retrospective, at least the George Lucas produced ones. Um, yeah. So we'll get around to that. And we'll do the Clone Wars movie at a certain point. Uh, did you did you ever bother with that last in the Disney trilogy? The what was it? The Revenge of Skywalker, Return of Skywalker. Uh, the uh... The last, Skywalker, the last Skywalker, or yeah, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Rise of Skywalker. No, I never saw it. <clears throat> I started watching a bootleg cam of it on a train, and I was like, "Well, so far this isn't as bad as Last Jedi. I'll, I'll watch the rest of this later." And then I never did. Mm. Then I never did. So, but I have been watching the Ewoks movies. I have uh, two rare copies of the Ewoks movies that George Lucas produced in the eighties that are. Uh, often ignored, but those are the true sequels to the original trilogy. I remember the Ewoks movies. Do you have any opinion on them? Do you have any thoughts? Say that again. Sorry, I had to take something from the cat. I, I, I asked if you had any, any opinions on those Ewok films or any thoughts. 
so I, I remember I, I haven't seen him since I was a kid. Um, I, all I can remember is the first one has that big giant monster, like the giant Ewok at the end. And then the second one has the dudes like the weird, the weird face, like skeletal face dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the brother's name is Mace. That's pretty much. Uh, and there's one, there's one who's like a flying or no, he's super fast. There's like a super fast Ewok with floppy ears in one of them. What are they, care, the Care Bears? That's that's all I remember. That's what this movie Nope should have been is a giant floating Ewok sucking up people <laughs> into its ass. That could have been great. Um, great extended lore for Star Wars. Uh, you know, for for children's films, you know, they do have a big Willow vibe about them. Yeah, um, that kind of movie is not really made anymore. It reminded me of movies like Legend and. Um, mm. Uh, was it Dark Crystal or, or something along those lines? Yeah. That was maybe a Jim Henson property. Uh, the second one is pretty dark. They uh, they bring in the principal from The Breakfast Club, the asshole who's who's there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, they kill off, like, the little girl's family in the first five minutes, and she's just adopted by Wilford Brimley. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very peculiar movie. You probably couldn't make without people reading too much into it nowadays. Are you excited for that show, Hans? When we eventually cover the Ewoks? No, not at all. I'm not. I'm. I'm not excited about m- most things that we, <laughs> that we watch and talk about. Uh, but that's just you know modern day media, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's the best recent movie you've seen? Doctor Strange too, because that's your boy. No. Uh, no, not even that. I feel like that was a very whatever Raimi movie. Um, uh what is it? DC Super Pets? That was good. <laughs> the movie you tried to shame me for like... Yeah, because you gave that three and a half stars. You dish out yeah. one stars and half stars like it's nobody's business. And I go on Letterboxd one day and I see three and a half stars for DC Super Pets. The, yeah. the animated feature with The Rock and Kevin Hart as uh, Ace the Bat Hound in Crypto, the Super Dog. Yeah, it was a very heartwarming family movie. I... You know, it made me feel good about. I like that you showed up at the theater <laughs> by yourself to see DC's <laughs> Super Pets and gave it a good review. That's great. Yeah. Um, all right. Do we have anything else to say about Nope or, or Jordan Peele before we close out the show this evening? Uh, I would like to say, uh, yeah, the first half of Nope was very interesting. Uh, one thing that kind of threw me for a minute is like a the ufo or the whatever it is the monster it changes its size like fairly often Hmm. like in one scene it's like it's like bigger than the house but in another scene it's like coming after daniel kalua and it's like the size of a car yeah Uh, it's whatever's convenient for that scene kind of like the kind of like the first cloverfield movie where you see shots of it and it's like the size of uh a building and then other shots it's like maybe the size of just like a quarter of a bridge uh Mm -hmm. it's uh not as consistent yeah but uh but um yeah i liked it all right i i it makes me want to check out at least get out maybe i'll watch us as well but uh and as for jordan peele um i may have misjudged him he might be the uh the bravest uh pro-conservative voice in film right now (laughs) the most based filmmaker yeah He's a future Daily Wire contributor. 
Absolutely. He's going to be he's going to be riding for tacky mags. And <laughs> As you say that like that's impossible, but l let's think about that. They just had TJ Miller <laughs> who again, uh he harassed his co-stars on Silicon Valley for not donating to Hillary Clinton's campaign after that election. So they will take anybody. They want anyone who has a grain of talent. Uh, and it just it, it, it's just a matter of time before Jordan Peele rubs someone the wrong way. And there's a whole campaign started to end his career. Uh, all right. I would I, I would say that this movie is um, uh, if you're a movie, a monster movie fan, if you're into horror, if you're into sci fi, it's a soft recommend. I didn't find anything too uh, egregious with it. That was uh, off putting to the point where I wouldn't have wanted or regretted checking it out to begin with. Uh, Hans, what's your final verdict on Nope? Uh, I liked it fine. Um, maybe, like we've said, uh, the the, St the Stephen Yoon character story would have been more interesting. Um, I I don't like that he had a, a more interesting backstory than the characters we're supposed to care about, and then he was just dismissed so easily, uh, especially after that monkey scene that was even though the monkey didn't look real uh it's probably the most tense scene of the of the whole movie because uh, you didn't know where it was going um but i i liked it fine again the last 15 minutes i ugh, i was uh, throwing my arms up and complaining uh but <laughs> but besides that it was well shot um and uh, hold on can yeah. you give a visual representation of that of what you throwing just, your arms up and so you were just doing what the, that <laughs> just, what the, just like an what Italian are they doing? Man. yeah what are they what's happening okay all right well uh detective wolfman thank you for for coming on and and checking out nope uh after you know we spent a, a good amount of time criticizing jordan peele and now uh perhaps there are uh future opportunities to check out his work and if you ever want to come on and, and discuss uh us or or get out we can certainly arrange that so uh, that would be good. Definitely. Thank you guys for having me on again. And so soon after the keep, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Excellent. All right. That has been movies for this week. Thank you for, I hit the wrong button there. Thank you for, where is the button listening? <laughs> <laughs>